I pressed the d- until it was flush against Sydney's throat. Is it too tight? I asked. His breath stuttered slightly, and when he cast his eyes down, they were glinting. It's perfect, he said. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Bim. How are you today? Um, I'm alive. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Marvelous. Marvelous. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> I'm in a similar boat. I think I am afloat. I'm on the right side of the earth. I think yeah. we're doing a okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that redacted mm. mentions uh the name Sydney. Mm-hmm. And that name is referring to um a Mr. Sydney Chambers. Yes. From the show Grant Chester. Yes. Fully fictional. Fully fictional. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about the actor who plays him, nope. which is James Norton. Yes. We're talking about Sydney Sydney Chambers, um, who is from actually originally a book character. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a literary figure uh, from a series of crime fiction uh, books mm-hmm. by the British author James Runcie. Um So, yeah. So it came to TV a few years ago. And they cast. I mean, honestly, half the battle was in the casting, right. and uh, they went, they went right to Rada, and they plucked out a vicar-looking <laughs> motherfucker. And yeah, he's a, he's a very hot vicar who solves crimes, aka Dream Dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're also going to talk about uh, someone that we have been getting a lot of requests for in the last few months, even before we were back on the air, before everybody knew we were coming back. Uh, people were just, can you please talk about this person? And that is Hot Priest. Yep. From Fleabag. Mm-hmm. The curious thing is, uh, Nicole, his actual character name is The Priest. Right. But I love how the fandom has given him another name. <laughs> Screw whatever Phoebe was thinking about The Priest. We all know you meant Hot Priest, Phoebe. Right. And that's what we're going to call him. <laughs> Calling him everything but a child of God. He is a hot priest. God bless you. And he's played by Andrew Scott. Yes. Of um, Sherlock Holmes, Moriarty fame. Yep. Um, yeah. He's also about to star in an upcoming series uh, based on the talented Mr. Ripley. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be exciting to watch i think yeah. he's perfect for that That's yeah i mean be... he's perfect for a lot of things he's very impish looking yeah which is why hot priest was so hot is yeah. that you know his face looks like it's up to no good and you want to be time. engaged in that yes so i get it i get it like i i went in and i was like all right fine let's see this hot priest you're all losing your minds about <laughs> and then i saw it and i was like oh no that's a hot priest fam like yeah that's a that's a priest that's hot like i went in there and i confirmed it with scientific study and i was like no no guys you're right he's a hot priest yeah good job as hot as a bag of flaming hot cheetos perhaps even hotter <laughs> Really did say, he did exactly what it said on the tin. So shout out to you, Andrew Scott. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about um, people of the cloth <laughs> and and why they sometimes uh, get us going under the collar, so to speak. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. It's a th- it's our very first themed episode yes. of uh, our return. We're not going to be talking about one person. We're talking mm-hmm. about a phenomenon and then the people within that phenomenon. Mm-hmm, We're talking, mm-hmm. as Nicole said, people of the cloth who makes <laughs> us want to take off our own clothes. That's a very tortured... <laughs> convoluted it works works. thanks nicole thanks so you are the wind beneath my smutty wings so our saga begins in a sleepy cambridgeshire town called (laughs) grantchester 
Yes. And, you know, I love a sleepy village rife with murder. Mm, mm, <laughs> it mm. is my favorite, favorite um, type of TV show. I love a cozy mystery. I love, um, you know, an unusual partnership. Mm-hmm. So in this case, we have a sexy vicar. Yep. And an inspector. Yes, he was very grizzled. He's called Geordie. Mm-hmm. And he's played, and I'm, this is me speaking to my fellow Brits who grew up with Robson Green back when he had a full head of hair. Oh, my God. Robson was a, an integral part of uh, me becoming a woman. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, he was so beautiful when he was younger. I mean, he still is. But when he was younger, he was on a TV show called uh, Soldier, Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like I said, back then he had hair and he was he had very twinkly eyes. His eyes remain twinkly. Yeah. The hair is less present. Right. Uh, but he was on there with uh, Jerome Flynn, which many people now know from Game of Thrones. Um, but they, they were so successful. They were such housewives favorites, as we mm. call them in the UK. Uh, they even went on to become a musical duo. They performed songs. Yeah, they had number oh. ones. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm talking to the Brits here. The OGs know. Okay, okay. Like, America's kind of like, Jody, he's cute. And I was like, excuse you, that is Mr. Robson Green. How dare <laughs> you? He's beautiful. He has this really lovely uh, accent because uh, he's from the north of England, uh, specifically. He's a Jody. And it just sounds really, you know, it makes me feel oddly comforted, even though I don't know anyone who's Jody. But it's a nice, it's a nice sound. And so you have his kind of grizzled, kind of like, I've seen it all cop guy yeah and then you have like the soft optimism but also dealing with his own demons vicar and together sexy magic (laughs) but we're talking about sydney chambers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he is i like his face he he does have a square jaw square head and i want to punch it but like in a sexy way yeah i know exactly what you mean like he is you know he's the thing that nicole and i kind of uh, talk a lot about resisting as the epitome of beauty. Mm-hmm. He is blonde. He is kind of light-eyed, and he is a white man. So mm-hmm. you're kind of like, oh, I guess. But then, annoyingly, for God's sake, he actually is handsome, and it's not just because he does. He has like, he has this amazing mouth. Um, yes, like his lips in particular are doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms yes. of the beauty of his face. Yes. Um, The bottom lip in particular is very full. And I mean that in terms of yes for a white guy, but still generally quite full. And when he kind of smiles, it suddenly becomes quite wide. And all you can think is what what fits in there. Yeah, he is unusual because, you know, he drinks a lot. Yes. He smokes a lot. Mm hmm. He listens to jazz because, again, this is in the 1950s. This takes place in the 1950s. Right, right. And he has uh, casual sex. This is someone that uh, is outside of your normal expectations of what a man of cloth should be or what a clergyman should be. What I will say also is that I know that lots of people um, don't necessarily, in terms of the American audience, are kind of like, so uh, what is a vicar? Because I think in many people's minds, people who take on uh who you know answer the call as it were uh tend not to have relations with um (laughs) relations (laughs) relations uh with with you know love you know lovers or whatever like it's kind of like a renouncing um but of course sydney is a vicar in the anglican uh, tradition Mm -hmm. so of course he can get married and you know (laughs) i love the church of england man it's just so (laughs) complex and ridiculous shout out to you henry the eighth um so, yeah, he does do all these things where he is sort of in the world 
in a way that is, yes, absolutely, he prepares a sermon and he has a flock and so on and so forth. But generally speaking, he gets to occupy a space in this earthly world. And in Sydney's case, like Nicole has mentioned, that means a good amount of uh, jazz. Mm -hmm. So there are all these layers to him that suggest, yes, Britain was what it was at that time. But here, here is one singular guy in in Cambridge (laughs) who, you know, he came back from war. Yes, he was a little bit damaged by what happened out there, but it also made him more amenable to jazz and sex with black women. So, you know, (laughs) is everything bad? (laughs) Um, So he knows that there's a problem with with his drinking. But when he's drinking that mouth, so his mouth is kind of small. um, It's not wide. Only when he smiles. But when he's also when he's drinking and he tosses it back, he tosses the um, scotch back and his mouth opens up so wide. I am just like, oh, hello. And then, you, and then you see like his throat working as he yes. swallows. That's and thing. it's just like, that's oh. the stuff. It's the throat that gets me. The mouth is fine. It's good. It's great. But when you see, like, you know, I'm like, shout out to your uh, esophagus. It's doing, <laughs> it's putting in some work to get that booze even faster to numb your feelings. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Like All these women fall at his feet. Yes. I mean, of all ages, from the teenage girls that, you know, in the church that he's giving Bible study lessons to or whatever. Yeah. And um, that's not a euphemism. No. That's literally, <laughs> yeah. he's, a, he's a good, he's a responsible vicar. Right. To the elderly women um, and to the women who are, you know, past the first blush of youth. Right. Um, and, you know, they're trying to figure out, am I still sexy? Or can I still use my feminine yeah. wiles? And yeah. they... They come to Sydney, man, and they. <laughs> I I know that if I was a congregant, I would attempt something. I know I would because he's he cuts quite a dashing figure yeah. when he puts on the vestments and he's mm-hmm. out there like about to preach the word of God. And I every time I think to myself, I I'm obviously here for that, but also I'm not here for that at all, Sydney. Look, episode two opens where mm. he is um, scything in the cemetery. Fuck's sake. And he is wearing, you know, a tank shirt, um, a shirt and suspenders, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. We call them braces in, yeah. the, in the UK, guys. So he he is um, sleeveless and you can see that this man is cut. He's, I mean, he's the got, bounty of the Lord. Yes. Wow. And he is out there sweaty. His mm-hmm. hair is all wet and floppy. Must, and yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And I'm like. Dang, this That's is episode two. That's episode two. They said we're gonna keep the audience we got last week, bitches, and they they held us. When I saw that scene, I remember feeling like I was being held at the throat, and a part of me was kind of like, "Oh, come on," and yes. another part of me was kind of like, "Come on," like you know, like I get that. And whoever wrote that script was kind of like, you could just imagine them kind of going, "All right, so uh, yeah. James, what's gonna happen is." Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be clothed, but it's going to be like you're not clothed. All right. Just go with me here. Like, and he blesses heart. He leans into it. He's, you know, um, man, he's doing the work. Uh, the second season opens with him and Jordy jumping into a swimming hole. Mm. Um, <laughs> a what? A swimming hole. Sure. sure. <laughs> and he has on these little plaid trunks of the time. Yeah. These swimming shorts. Beautiful. <laughs> That oh pause my. was so pregnant. You were just like, <laughs> beautiful. Because it looks 
so good. It's so perfect on his body. Mm. You know, regardless of what what time period they're supposed to be of, it looks really good yeah. on his frame. Yeah, and it's a I, nice frame. Yeah, and yeah. it's like. He kills it. I do want to play a clip that shows Sydney with a jazz singer, mm-hmm. um, a young black woman who, you know, maybe some things happen between them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. But I want to give an example of the way women just kind of fall at his feet. Okay, I'm in. My friend, the detective. I'm not a detective. I'm a vicar. Yeah, I can see that. It's a kind face you got. Not a threat to anyone. I don't know about that. Drinking to forget. Gloria, always. You want? Mine's a bourbon. No ice. I like forgetting too. It is a I, lot. Yeah, I want to forget with Sydney Chambers too. Listen, <laughs> I don't even need a memory. What for? He's someone who I think is so aware of his mortality. Mm. Um, having seen so much of it, I think he's seen so much destruction, so much death, so much carnage, and he has survived. And I think a big part of, you know, the things that drive him, the demons that drive him, a good deal of that is, you know, survivor's guilt. He's someone yeah. who has returned where so many others did not. Right. And so he feels, and that explains also, like, this need, this the pining he does, but he never, he never fully steps into the thing that he wants. Mm-hmm. I think he's constantly scared of wanting too much and every so often he allows himself to for example when he's taking in some liquor mm-hmm. and yeah he does drink too much and yeah. he does you know he overindulges in this thing mm-hmm. but it ties him it holds him back in so many other places and I think that's the thing that he's constantly battling against and it's like I said it's this idea of finding a, a say a happy place between you know the kingdom of God that he's allegedly called to mm-hmm. and you know the very present earth that he is a part of right now Mm -hmm. he's trying to figure out life on this side of the equation you know and i think that's the thing that is most interesting he's he's an interesting figure doing interesting things and that's that's the most compelling part of him beyond his obvious beauty he's like a human being struggling to kind of come to terms with various decisions some of them of his own making others not and trying to kind of muddle through it. And it just so happens that he also gets to do that while solving murders. Right. <laughs> and I think another reason why the women in the village fall for him or are so attracted to him beyond his beauty is the fact that maybe because he is a vicar, he sees all of them um, in a way that they are not used to. So you mm-hmm. have the secretaries who are used to being invisible. You mm-hmm. have the sex workers who are used to being invisible mm-hmm. until there's a need for them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the men around them are just walking by them or whatever, but he knows their names. He remembers their names. He remembers the little things like, you know, this uh, one sex worker was like, I remember I used to read The Secret Garden when I was a little girl. I can read. I'm, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he brings her a copy of The Secret Garden. Yeah. Um, towards the end of that particular episode so things like that it's the line of care he sees them yes and i think again if you're going to kind of figure out um i suppose if you're going to figure out who to put your who to project your your wants your needs onto it would be a man who sees you that's like the very basic requirement and it's actually also a very smooth segue into (laughs) our next uh uh man of the cloth because <laughs> his his trick seems to be that he sees our heroine yes and that is hot priest shout out to you <laughs> shout out to you Woo. 
from Fleabag. Um, he sees her in the way that no one else does. And when I say that he sees her, he sees us, the viewer that she speaks to mm-hmm. all the time. He's exactly. like, what are you doing? Where are you disappearing? Why yeah. are you, t- you know, he doesn't say, why are you talking to someone else? Mm-hmm. But he's like, um, who are you talking to? Where do you go? You right, disappear. Right. So. And that sometimes I think, sometimes when, we, when people are talking about desire, a lot of the time, what they're also referencing is uh, a sort of need or a desire to be uh, enveloped in the gaze of someone. That for mm. someone to see every part of you mm-hmm. and to not flinch from it. Yes. And I think the the genius of Hot Priest, besides, we'll go into it, but one of the the biggest things for me was that he, like you said, he saw her. He, he sees her. He sees other people seeing her. He's so finely attuned to her. Yes. That even if he wasn't hot priest, like I'd be like, Jesus Christ, who the fuck wrote this love? <laughs> like it's a love story. It is. It's somebody seeing you the way you want to be seen mm-hmm. in your totality. You want to be seen front and back, sideways. You want you want someone to look at you and recognize you from the back. You know, recognize you from behind. Recognize you from the skin of your arm. Someone to look at you. And when hot priest, because again, we don't have a name. He's called the priest, but you know, yeah. we've called him hot priest. So we'll just lean into that. There's something about the way he so totally sees her and that she, you can see her, she's like a cat in a sunbeam. She's kind of rolling over to be seen. Yeah. It's beautiful. But let's start from the beginning. So Fleabag is the Amazon Prime slash BBC uh, production from Phoebe Mm Waller-Bridge about this woman who is going through life. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's the only way to describe it. And the hot priest doesn't appear until the second season. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the second season, he appears at the dinner scene at the very beginning right. of season two, where he's he announced. Well, it's announced that he will be holding the wedding of Fleabag. Uh, that's Phoebe's character, uh, her father and her soon-to-be stepmother, the godmother. They're getting together and they're going to get married. And he's going to be doing the ceremony. Yeah, and you know the dinner is the first time that Fleabag has um, been with all the family since the first season. It's been over a year at this dinner everything's tense and weird and strange and the priest is sitting next to Fleabag and he just keeps looking her dead in her eyes everyone else is just kind of ignoring her or waiting for her to fuck up or do something terrible Mm. but when he looks at her he smiles at her and it's a smile like again that kind of we share a secret together like Mm -hmm. and it's so Sweet. And she, you know, she looks at us like, do you see what I'm seeing? Yeah. You know, and it's just regardless of how you feel about Andrew Scott's looks, mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter because it is about this feeling of an adult crush. What that that moment of seeing somebody recognize you and that you're both trying to figure out the dance together how do we you know are we what kind of dance are we about to do what are my steps right? yeah yeah and it's just really that's what makes him hot yes yes it's not so much about his physicality it's not so much about his acting is superb the writing is stunning i i honestly do think it is i i finished watching season two and i thought oh that's a masterpiece and and phoebe waller bridge is a genius and i don't bandy genius i definitely don't ever call men geniuses that's enough (laughs) but even then i'm very i'm very kind of you know stingy with it because i think yeah it's good whatever Mm -hmm. this i remember kind of like closing the tab on my laptop and i was like jesus christ like who the fuck? Like, yeah. why didn't I write this? This is amazing. And so on. And I think that writing is evident in every single frame because she has given these actors amazing lines and they are doing amazing work. But fundamentally, 
what she's writing is a, is a is a thing that we're all universally craving, I think. And that is, like you said, that moment, she, she understands human relationships. Mm-hmm. So when she puts Hot Priest next to Fleabag, for the longest time, they don't interact. And then they do. Mm-hmm. And the magic lies in her timing mm-hmm. of the point at which he sees her or the point at which she reveals to us, the viewers, that he sees her is that secret smile. Mm-hmm. And it's a moment that even Fleabag kind of double takes, like, what yeah. was that? Yeah. <laughs> which doesn't feel alien. In, in the real world, there are times when you make eye contact with someone or you you, you feel a connection and you're kind of like, what am I... <laughs> like you said, like, what are, what are my steps here? What What is this, a tango? Is it like yeah. a Charleston? What's going on? Yeah. And that moment of, like, sexy confusion... Is incredibly (laughs) hot, and Phoebe writes it, and the actors just give it to you. And I think that immediately that happened, I sat up at home and I was like, "Wait, yeah, something's gonna happen." I know he's a priest. I know he's marrying her parents in the morning or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like something, something is gonna happen. It has to happen because the chemistry was incredible. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, floating from whatever screen you're looking at this on. It was just, it was just fiery just sparks everywhere yeah. i think part of the reason that he was you know he would start to look really rough towards the middle part was him fighting his feelings for, sure. for fleabag and not you know again that temptation whatever um and so i think the overall thing again with you know the attraction to people of the cloth is mm-hmm. this idea of forbidden fruit and then also you're so powerful like whoever you are to tempt a person right. of God, right? whatever your religion may be, that you can ha- make someone question themselves. Right. And for Fleabag, who has felt kind of out of control yes. with the choices that she's made, mm-hmm. and she needs someone with authority in her life, because the people who are supposed to be authority figures in her life have not necessarily abandoned her, but... Um, she has to carry them like her father and her Mm -hmm. sister Mm -hmm. like she has to you know cover for her sister with different things Mm -hmm. um so that her sister can look good Mm -hmm. be the one that comes out on top of whatever whether it's uh, a presentation at her job or because of some weird thing that happened between her and her husband um and the sister's name is claire i'm sorry So her, Claire, her sister, she covers for her a lot. Her father is this kind of mumbling, confused man. I don't know, yeah. like what you know, his He's character. He's a little broken. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you know their mother had passed, and maybe you know he's just kind of like, I know I need someone. So here is this godmother mm. who was clear about how she was going to, you know, worm her way into his life from right. the moment of the funeral. Um, so anyway. I think I, I remember someone on Twitter said that Fleabag has become the sin eater of the family mm-hmm. and she takes on all of their pain um, just to make it easier for them to move on. And then, you know, they can put all of their issues onto her and blame her for everything, blame her for ruining the dinner party, blame her for um, whatever, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so Fleabag needs someone to make decisions for her. Um, so that they can take the blame of mm-hmm. what she's doing and whether that is going to be God and his divine plan or the priest that represents God mm-hmm. on earth. Um, she is looking for something. And right. then here's this man who sees her. 
Uh, and that's the question that she kind of takes with her to therapy mm. where, you know, and the therapist asks a, you know, singularly profane question. <laughs> but it's an important question, kind of like this thing that you're pursuing. Is it is it as innocent as you claim it is? Or do you have a kind of deeper purpose here? Like, is it is it the priest you're trying to get with or are you trying to get back at God in mm-hmm. some capacity? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a valid question because I do think when things are spiraling and like Nicole said, I think you know she's she's a little bit on moored she's lost her best friend she's been cut off from her family in a very big way um she's feeling a little bit lost and then in comes someone who has you know more than most of us a claim to some sort of divine knowledge mm-hmm. and that's a very handy way for you to like even if you don't want to kind of give over all your kind of you know decision making ability you want someone who claims to have the answers in your corner. Mm-hmm. So her attraction to the priest on the one hand is completely normal where you're just seeking someone to kind of, you know, go through life with. But then at the core of it also is this person who's kind of like, my God, can you just can you just tell me what to do? Yes. And that segues very neatly. Yes. <laughs> Because, you know, at one point she's like, I need someone to tell me what to wear in the morning, you know, what to do. You know, she lists all these things that she wants. And so he takes her to the confessional so that she can confess, you know, her sins um, to him. And she's just like, I don't know what to do. Just tell me what to do. And he tells her, Neil. Yeah, I mean, I didn't find that moment as hot as many people did. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Catholic school, um, you know, in a very unsexy way. Um, <laughs> we did Stations of the Cross every Friday. I do not have fond memories. I do not. I did not ever look at a priest and kind of think, "Ooh, yeah." It was like, "No, thanks. Get me out of here as soon as possible." So I don't have. Uh, I don't have a very strong uh, feeling of "Ooh, forbidden authority figure." But in the moment, I watched it. I didn't find it hot, hot, but I understood it. Salute. I understood those who did find it hot. The music kind of swells in the background and right. at home you're yeah. just kind of like, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. And is it hot in here? I don't know. Yeah. It's a very effective moment. Um, But the, the, the overarching thing about him, like, you know, we keep saying the earthiness of him. Mm-hmm. He is someone who is as tortured as Sydney Chambers is mm-hmm. in terms of because as much as we talk about Fleabag and her feeling on Maud and whatnot, I think he was feeling similarly on Maud. Yes, there is. Um, he talks about this fox that had, that foxes keep following him. They're out to get him and all this kind of stuff. And I think the fox symbolizes his conflicts with his sexuality, with his earthiness and things like that. The fox appears when he's feeling most conflicted. Yes. Right? Like yes. he's always seeing that. He's always kind of... It's always it's like the monkey on his back to borrow another animal. Sorry, monkey. But like that feeling of someone being constantly watched. Like he he's aware that he's on the edge of transgression. Mm-hmm. He's so aware of it. So he's holding himself extra tight mm-hmm. as well. And it kind of matches in energy Fleabag's uh, situation. Right. Where they're both looking for something and they crash into one another and kind of have that moment of, wait, is it you? Mm-hmm. Are you the thing that I've been waiting for? Could it be? <laughs> and they're similarly confused and then heartbreaking one of them is no longer confused but another one still is mm. and that's where the grandest conflict of, of all occurs I don't think it's a spoiler to say you know hot priest stays a hot priest Yeah, but it's a it's a moment where he has to finally the fox disappears at least for now because he comes to a decision and it's not without heart-wrenching um, you know consequences because mm-hmm. it turns out Fleabag has stopped questioning she'd found it yeah and and then it didn't match. And I think, again, not that it's, pining is hot. Yes, I love longing. 
I, I mean, just they do it so well in season two of Fleabag. The longing between them, this this I want you, but I can't have you kind of thing. And even when they do um, go there, mm. there's still this uh, this this moment of what's next. Yeah. And when he says, she, you know, she says, I love you. They sit for a second. And he was, and he says, it'll pass. Mm. That is, my heart just broke for her. He looks as though it hurts him as much as it's hurting her to say it. Mm, and yeah. and he, he makes a definitive step to end it. And in so doing, he's breaking her heart. But you have no doubt that he's breaking his own heart. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly powerful. It's also incredibly hot. Because after yes. that, I was kind of like, well, I guess it's time to fall in love with a fucking priest. I guess. <laughs> because you think to yourself, will I ever feel these feelings? Will I ever, you know, will I ever get to the point where I look at someone and say, that's my person? Because that's exactly what Fleabag mm-hmm. is doing. She chooses him. Mm-hmm. And then he chooses elsewhere. Yes. He and it's not without God. pain. He but chooses he, he God. chooses God. And that again boils down this feeling of kind of like, you know, I, I imagine, like you said, the feeling of somebody connecting to some alleged higher power. Yeah. You want to plug into that. And I do think that's part of the part of the allure of, you know, clergy people is this idea that they've got they must have something figured out. Yeah. So um there is a book by James Baldwin called Go Tell It on the Mountain. Mm. And there is a scene where um, someone gets the Holy Spirit, as we say, and they they are in this ecstatic moment. And that ecstasy is so similar to sexual ecstasy right. that it, you know, um, and the description of it is, is fantastic. Um, and so I think that that is what we see here mm-hmm. between hot priest and flea bag because there's a moment and I think we have a clip for this where he's like I feel something and I don't know what it is yes. oh my god <laughs> you have lipstick all oh, fuck you know. <laughs> that one not look good you got where oh fucking hell I don't know I don't know oh I don't know what this feeling is <laughs> is it god or is it me I don't know man and that scene kind of extends. Um, he kind of that thing that you said about him walking away. Mm-hmm. He kind of, um, as he kind of turns the corner, he stops to look at her and he throws his head back, and it's almost kind of like disbelieving. Yes, like he's looking at her, like, "What are you? What yes. have you done to yes. me?" You know, I think that she has uh, crush goggles on when she's looking at him because there's a there's this one moment where they're walking. He's taking her someplace. And she's looking at him. She's like, oh, his arms. Yes, I think we have a clip of that yeah. too. Really pleased with that. Yes, it's nifty. Oh, it'll be there. perfect. <laughs> his arms. Do you prefer weddings or funerals? Weddings. His arms. I think there's something humbling about funerals. Really? Yeah, it's good to dwell on the next life. You really think there's a next life? What do you believe? Worm food. <laughs> Why? Why what? His neck. Why would you believe in something awful when you can believe in something wonderful? <laughs> Don't make me an optimist. You will ruin my life. I love the way she interjects, because that's how it feels. Yeah. When you are noticing things about people, you yes. start interjecting at the worst possible person. You know, talking about funerals and whatever. She's like, his neck. <laughs> like, yes. I love the way she, And when she says it, she looks like plaintively at the camera, like, are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? Look at his arms. And to be fair, he's wearing in that scene this kind of French Terry sweatshirt. That is, of course, the second hottest garment a man can wear. Mm-hmm. 
after, after the Henley. After the Henley, thank you. Um, <laughs> and and he's, wear, he's wearing it like in this blue and it really works with like his dark hair and his pale skin. It's all working for him. Mm-hmm. And it, again, you believe it. You imagine... He just look. He looks like a snack. Like he's walking alongside her, and he's got his sleeves pushed up. Which <laughs> shout out to forearms. <laughs> like he's just doing. He looks like yes, admiring the bounty of God. And you're like Jesus. Yes. Like, my Twitter was a wash, <laughs> and I use that word very pointedly. A wash with feelings about hot priests. People were just losing their goddamn minds. Yes. And I think again, it wasn't so much like he's like the epitome of what we've been told is male beauty. Mm-hmm. But there was something about the collectivism of that moment. All of us looking at something and understanding fundamentally that it's less about what he looks like. It's whatever. It's the energy. It's the thing he produces in Fleabag. That's the thing that we are on some level. I think a lot of us are kind of, you know, either we've experienced or we want to experience. And there was something about all of us watching it at the same time and kind of thinking, oh, she's named it. She has named the animal that we have seen in our lives for so long and we never knew what it was called. Yes, and it's also just um, wherever you are in your relationship status, whether you're single or you're married or partnered or whatever, seeing that, seeing it play out on the screen, you're just kind of like, oh, I remember that. I remember that feeling. Yeah, and by extension, we're in there with her and we're remembering or we're we're yearning or we're we're doing whatever. It's it's really masterful television and she's doing amazing. Anyway, it's great. Yeah, it's a great show. Hot Priest is hot. Again, you know, it's more about those the energy and the feel of him and and that's as equally as important as looks or anything else um so (laughs) what a time to be alive we're gonna we're gonna have a couple of things where we just kind of mention some other memorable uh people of the cloth right and then we're gonna we're gonna just uh sit on that we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna think about that we're gonna take you to the lord in prayer Um, so we're going to do some honorable mentions because yeah. obviously we can't talk about every every hot clergy person. <laughs> um, I mean, we could, but we'd be here for seven years. Right. And so I want to briefly mention The Thornbirds, which was <laughs> <Yes>. a miniseries <laughs> back in the 80s that if you try to watch it now, you're going to cringe because it is <laughs> so terrible. But um, it is about a priest who falls in love with someone we're introduced to as a young girl Mm -hmm. um and so uh, already problematic yeah you know (laughs) it's it's kind of like he's grooming her but anyway we're not necessarily saying that it's a beautiful story but it's it is kind of this i don't want to say it's the start but it's it's a formative experience for many people who saw it and you know people who read the book as well so yes the thornbirds is based on a book Mm -hmm. um by colleen mccullough um, and then it was turned into a miniseries in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I was, I think I was a newly born child when it was on. So you know, I remember, I, I mean, I was very young when it came on, but I remember that it caused such a, a sensation uh, <laughs> in pop culture right. when it was on. Um, yes. So, yeah. So the Thornbirds, I'm sure you can find that someplace. Oh, yeah. Streaming. And I, what's interesting also is kind of like it's such a clear line of uh, a generational divide. Yes. Like some people <laughs> remember the Thornbirds freeze and others have like a vague inkling. And some people don't even like Thorn what? Yeah. 
if you if you remember, you remember. If you were there, you were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say that one of my favorites. Um, that's also my friend's favorite. Um, is uh, Sunset Beach. Mm. I don't know how many of you watched this terrible soap. Uh, from the nineties. It's an American soap opera, and there was a there was a very very handsome uh, priest. He was Father Antonio. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. He was kind of like comically beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like dark. He was Italian or Spanish or something. I don't know. One one of the one of the duskier whites, and he he. <laughs> <laughs> and he had like you know dark hair and these soulful brown eyes and he always looked like he was like tortured and was in constant conversation with god and everything it was just terrible he was trying to kind of fight against the fear it was a lot and for like a young a young woman a young girl who mm-hmm. was like you know trying to figure out what in the world she liked he was a very important pastor shout out to you father antonio wherever the fuck you are <laughs> god bless you <laughs> you were very important for a good number of british school girls <laughs> uh, we talked about this in um our episode about Gael Garcia Bernal, but the crime of Father Amaro. Yeah. You should check. That's a hot priest. Yeah. If you didn't get a chance to watch it back then, watch it now. Definitely. (laughs) Go go find find you a little source. Um, And there is a show on the Oprah Winfrey Network called Greenleaf um, that is about a Southern Black megachurch and all the scandals that come along with that. And there is a prodigal daughter her name is grace goes by Gigi. um she comes back and you know she's fighting the calling and she is very much trying to figure out who she should be with and all this kind of stuff so there's just a lot going on with that i recommend that if you're not able to watch it on own it's currently on netflix so give that a shot lean in and speaking of female uh clergy uh i i wouldn't be i wouldn't feel right about not mentioning geraldine aka the vicar of dibley who was incredibly uh, important to me as a comedy fan as a kid in in and as a teenager in the uk it's played by dawn french the amazing iconic uh comedian dawn french and um it's great i really love that show and she was like this you know dawn french at the time um was a little bit bigger than she is now um but she was like this incredibly sensuous this very kind of like earthbound you know she she was clearly she 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 spoke a lot about fancying dudes and she was like almost aggressively kind of like yeah i'm trying to get me married and like you know (laughs) she she was she was a pleasure loving vicar and i remember watching that and thinking this feels important I'm not even a Christian, but it felt important to me to see that. And she was this incredibly warm, loving. She loved her congregation, loved her community. And she also, by the end of it, which shout out to everybody involved, she ended up falling in love and getting married at the end of it. And her husband uh, was played by Richard Armitage. So Dawn French said, get me, get me fucking Richard Armitage. We're going to make it work. And at the end of it, you're rooting for them so hard. You're like, you know what? I hope they do make it. I hope they have five kids and everything is great. (laughs) Bless the Church of England. Everything's great. So, um, yeah, hot clergy people. Shout out to you. <laughs> keeping the fires of heaven burning. <laughs> All right. Well, we had some um, delicious, sinful fun. <laughs> uh, talking <laughs> what about- the hell was that sound effect? <laughs> <laughs> talking about um, the vicar, sexy vicar, Sydney Chambers from Grantchester <sighs> and uh, hot priest from Fleabag. Yes. Now it's time for our own contribution to the <laughs> the genre of sexy clergymen. Oh, God. Yeah. Um. I mean, <laughs> canon is bursting. Um, and, uh, you know, in many ways, arguably, we don't need to do this. You already know what the what a hot priest means. This is a this is a, a nod to, to 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 Geraldine, who 
you know, had a very gentle, her fantasy life was rich, but it was also very uh, gentle. And oh. so that's that's where I'm at here now. That's what okay. I'm doing here. Well, and I am intrigued. I'm not familiar with, with this person, just, this character. It's just very sweet. It's just okay. very sweet. It's, right. uh, yeah. And uh, I've gone, of course, for um, James Norton, owner of the squarest head, uh, <laughs> this side of Timbuktu. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, you know, like I said, I'm embarrassed a little bit, and uh, but I do fancy him okay. quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, this is Sydney Chambers and me. The facade of the chapel was glowing orange, uh, a combination of the brilliant setting sun just behind its spire and the projected neon lights shooting up to crisscross across the sky. We were in a crowd of people, all of us heading towards the church. Tickets clutched. I looked up from our joined hands to catch Sydney's profile. The light was hitting him just right, setting fire to the fine hairs of his eyebrows, bouncing off of his cheekbones, lovingly shading his full upper lip. He looked relaxed, shoulders loose, his other hand in his pocket. I could tell the moment he felt my gaze. His lips curved upwards into his familiar and dear-to-me smile. What is it, he asked, voice as soft as cashmere. I let my mind wander before I answered. We had taken the train down from Cambridge earlier that afternoon, and I'd watched the vicarage get smaller in the rearview mirror with a real sense of glee. He spent so much time worrying about and tending to his flock, I sometimes resented that little house. It could do without him for a night or two. London was where we had met all those years ago, and pulling into King's Cross just over an hour later, I felt bone-deep pleasure suffuse my body. A drink in the hotel bar had turned into two, and then a walk through North London had led us here, just off the busy thoroughfare of Upper Street. A perfect lazy day, the opposite of life in Grantchester, topped off with an evening of live jazz, his favourite, and, in the years we had known each other, now also mine. Nothing, I replied eventually, leaning into his reassuring bulk. Just happy to be here, with you. He gently bumped me back. Happy to be here with you too, he said. <laughs> it's so sweet. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, don't sound like that. That's how you said it. It's so sweet. <laughs> and I was responding in kind. Thanks. Oh my God. Okay. I feel bad. No, don't feel bad. Lean in. Okay. Um. Okay, so my drabble is about... The hot priest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to go. Okay. The priest sits opposite me now, his bouncing leg against the couch, his only sign of nerves. He seems to relax the longer we talk, but I don't want him calm with me. I don't want his heartbeat to rest near me. So I ask about the Eucharist. Why are Catholics so squeamish about sex and yet make communion such a sensual, submissive experience? He moves to the edge of his seat, a sweating glass of iced tea in his hands, and asks me what I mean. I pull an exaggerated face, eyes rolling back, tongue halfway out of my mouth, my hands hanging limply. You make people stick their whole tongues out, I reply, and he shakes his head at me, the side of his mouth curling up at my teasing. No one does that, he corrects me, chuckling at my silliness. How do you take communion then, he asks. I stand for my favorite cozy reading chair and walk to him. He watches me, any signs of amusement falling from his face. I take the glass from his hands and use a napkin to dry them. 
His Adam's apple pushes against his collar as he swallows. I place his right hand on top of his left, palms up, and cup them slightly before I press a thumb very gently in the center of the supplicating gesture. This commitment is a choice we make, that we ask for, I say, looking into eyes that rarely stray from mine. His face is sharper now, more alert. We are making an informed decision, this proof of devotion. I slowly raise our hands closer to his face, to the lips he's parted as he looks up at me. This is my body, I tell him. Take it. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Why not? Sure. I love it. (sighs) Communion. Listen, that's the hottest part of church (laughs) right there. Man. Yeah, I feel spent. Somebody get me a cigarette. Like, <laughs> you know, it's been a taxing episode. It's uh <sighs> wow. It's a whole lot. I am not Catholic, but I feel like I should do the sign of the cross. Might as well. It's not just gonna for, hurt. Just you know? for, yeah. That's that's how you get to heaven. Extra insurance. Why not? Um, so if we still have any listeners out there, <laughs> thank you for sticking around thank you. for this blasphemy. You. I mean, listen, I feel like people are going to be confessing on our behalf this <sighs> week. And that's fine. We appreciate that. Do we need all the do. help we get. Like, I'm, I really am trying to make heaven. So help me out. Help, help out. Help out your local thirst bucket. Uh, <sighs> yeah. So, you know, the routine by now, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, Friday, we will put up a poll and you can decide which Drabble is, you know, going to push you into the afterlife. Oh, my God. <laughs> Get out. I hate you so much. I hate you so much. Why? Why do you do this? <laughs> is it the sweet, tender bulk of Sydney Chambers? You know what? No one has ever said bulk so fucking dirtily, and I appreciate you. Thanks. Or is it the hot priest learning a new way of con- how to take communion. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't know where that's. I didn't know where it was going to. Learning how to take what now? Oh, communion. All right, cool, 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 great, great, superb. Listen, the choice is <laughs> the choice is yours. Whatever your soul is speaking to, um, if it's whispering to kind of you know hasten to hell. Or if it's kind of more of an angel on your shoulder, you know where to go. Go to our Twitter, which is at, at Thirst Aid Kit. And uh, register register your sin. Uh, let's figure out where you're going to land. Um, and yeah, as we say every week, it doesn't really matter who wins. I mean, we enjoy right. re- writing these drabbles. We enjoy reading these drabbles. And so we hope that you get a modicum of joy and pleasure also out of that. So there is no winner except, you know, for the person who wins the poll. But anyway, <laughs> we are all winners. There you go. In this um, lovely dance of life, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right. You're in a real... The priest has got you in a real poetic mood. Wow. First Aid Kit is a Slate production produced by Sher Vincent and us, Bim Adewunmi and Nicole Perkins. Our music is by Tanya Morgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at Thirst Aid Kit. And we're at Bimadu and Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That's T-N, whiskey with an E, woman. Plus, we're on Tumblr. Shout out to the OG Thirst Buckets over there once again. And that is thirstaidkitpodcast.tumblr.com. You can send us questions over there and we'll try our best to answer them. 
If you live tweet your listen, please use the hashtag TACPOD, that's T-A-K-P-O-D. And you are welcome to email us about how much you love us and all your thirst-induced injuries and, you know, wounds. Also, please, please send us your travels. Uh, we have missed reading what thirsty things you have come up with. And uh, especially after this week, we want to know... Which priest is particularly lighting the fire of, you know, hell in you? So the only thing we ask is that you keep it short because, you know, we can go over because it's our podcast, but you can't. So uh, if we like what we read, we might read yours out on the show. Please include your pronouns so that we can identify you correctly and send them to firstaidkit at slate.com. Thank you so much to everyone who came out to our thirsty movie night earlier this week. We hope Bodhi and Johnny gave you everything your thirsty hearts and your redacted desired. Thank you to our lovely partners at the IFC Center. We intend to keep having these screenings, so keep an ear out for all future events. Every single week, we appreciate your ears, and we want more people to enjoy the benefit of our weekly uh, fellowship of thirst. So please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and a star rating. Uh, We think five stars is about correct, so please uh, do that for us. Thank you. And we're still thrilled to be back. And guess what? We are not going anywhere. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay thirsty. Amen. (laughs) Oh, God. When I see it, Mm. I'm just like, this is how he would look when you put a boob in his mouth. Oh my god! I'm so, I, I know that he is a man of the cloth, oh but the body do you, do it, you know the, the body is a gift from God. Oh my god! And I think that he knows how to praise the body. All right, you know what? I'm gonna stop you right there because you are doing a lot. I you know and I don't necessarily disagree, but I'm also trying to get to heaven.